The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Zeal. If you want a good massage but don't have the time to get one, have the massage come to you with Zeal. You pick the time and the location. Have your next massage on demand at home. Our listeners can get $20 off their first massage with promo code BIGIDEA. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 23rd. In today's news, Congress passes legislation to water down Dodd-Frank. Paul Ryan's hold on power is slipping, but he'll stay on for now. And Southern Baptists are having their Me Too moment. But first, the big idea. Twenty eighteen is shaping up as a breakthrough year for democratic diversity. Fresh faces with compelling life stories prevailed in democratic primaries across several southern states on Tuesday, beating candidates with deeper political pedigrees and more governing experiences in several key races. The results mark an ongoing embrace by democratic voters of non-politicians, women, veterans, and candidates of color to lead the party's efforts to take back control of the House and governor's mansions this fall. In Texas, Democrats nominated two lesbian candidates with military and law enforcement backgrounds, one Latina and the other Filipina. And Georgia voters gave former state House Minority Leader Stacey Abrams a shot to become the first black female governor in the country's history. For Democrats, the results mark a reassertion of the party's fealty to the rising American electorate. Democratic primary voters are hungry for candidates who embody the changing face of American politics. As Abrams Senator Victory Rally in Atlanta. We can lead a stronger Georgia, a more compassionate Georgia, a bold and ambitious Georgia. We can show the old guard something new, and we can fight together for the good of all. In Kentucky, voters nominated Amy McGrath, the first Marine woman to fly an F-18 fighter jet for a House seat in Lexington. She beat the candidate favored by party leaders, Jim Gray, a two-term mayor who ran on a promise to bring adult supervision to Washington. At her victory party last night, McGrath spoke poignantly about the consequences elections can have. I was able to be in one of the first classes of women at the Naval Academy that allowed women to compete to become combat fighter pilots because of one big reason, an election. It was during my senior year of high school when I applied to attend to the U.S. Naval Academy. That year, Bill Clinton became president, and I was soon to arrive in Annapolis to be a midshipman. Congress rescinded what was called the Combat Exclusion Law, and the Secretary of Defense announced that the policy had been reversed and women could now fly combat missions. So my ability to be the first female woman Marine to fly a a combat mission in an F-18, okay, was not about how talented I was or my perseverance. Folks, it was really about an election. McGrath's victory is the second defeat in as many weeks for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Another first-time female candidate, Kara Eastman, won the nomination for Nebraska's only competitive House race last year over the DCCC's chosen candidate, former Congressman Brad Ashford. But these successes also carry some risk, putting the Democrats' fate into untested hands. Indeed, Republicans jumped on both the Nebraska news and the Kentucky news as examples of liberals putting forward a weaker general election candidate. Democratic strategists say they feel good about McGrath's chances in Kentucky, despite having recruited her rival to the race. 
They shared internal party polling conducted before the primary that shows McGrath holding a narrow lead over incumbent Republican Congressman Andy Barr. And the DCCC did have some success in Texas runoffs yesterday. In the most watched house race of the night, lawyer Lizzie Fletcher, who was strongly preferred by the DCCC, defeated Laura Moser, whom party strategists viewed as a long shot in a district that includes the suburbs of Houston. Moser, who resisted reaching out to moderate Republicans, had briefly become a cause celeb of national liberals who were angry that the party attempted to intervene against her. Fletcher's win, though, increases the odds Democrats will pick up the open seat. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the House passed two big bills yesterday that will now become law. One rolls back the banking regulations that were passed in response to the 2008 financial crisis. The measure leaves the central structure of the post-financial crisis rules in place, but it would make the most significant changes to weaken Dodd-Frank banking regulations since they were passed in 2010. The new law exempts some small and regional banks from the most strident regulations, while also loosening rules aimed at protecting the biggest banks from sudden collapse. The Senate approved the bill in March with bipartisan backing, and White House officials say Trump will sign it in the coming days. The other bill the House passed yesterday that had previously cleared the Senate is what's known as right-to-try legislation. It would allow people with life-threatening illnesses to bypass the Food and Drug Administration so that they could obtain experimental medications. Under the measure, the FDA would not oversee the right-to-try process, and drug manufacturers would have to report safety problems that come up during testing only once a year. The legislation is praised by supporters as a lifeline for desperate patients, but scores of medical and consumer groups have denounced it as both unnecessary and dangerous. Number two, Paul Ryan is losing his grip on the House Speakership, but numerous congressional aides and lawmakers say there's no viable alternative to him who can win enough support within the GOP for a clean transition before the November elections. Nor is there much stomach at the moment for the messy battle that will inevitably ensue whenever Ryan departs. The Speaker's preferred successor is House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who enjoys a close relationship with President Trump. Two senior Republicans said yesterday that it would be preferable if McCarthy could take the reins immediately. But multiple Republicans also tell us that the only factor which could accelerate Ryan's departure is the personal intervention from Trump. He's caught between his friendship with McCarthy and his allies in the Tea Party and the House Freedom Caucus who want to force an open race. For now, the White House is not convinced that Ryan staying as Speaker through the end of the year is tenable, but they also don't see an upside for the president to weigh in on the matter. Number three, the most prominent leader of Southern Baptists, Paige Patterson, was removed from his job as president of the church's main seminary early Wednesday morning. Patterson, who is 75, has come under fire in recent weeks for taped comments he made between 2000 and 2014 about women. He's commented on women's attractiveness, and he said that female victims of domestic violence should almost always stay with their husbands. He also allegedly told a woman who said she had been raped that she should not report her allegations to the police, encouraging her instead to forgive her alleged assailant. The global reckoning with past misconduct by church leaders of all faiths continues. An Australian archbishop named Philip Wilson has just been convicted of failing to act on reports of child sex abuse for decades. The 67-year-old is the most senior Catholic leader ever to be held accountable for concealing abuse. He faces up to two years in prison. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 23rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. 
talk to you tomorrow.